Okay, I think we're on the air there. Stefan, uh, welcome. Uh, so many things are happening, which is really the crazy. theme of the show. If yeah. I can theme the show, it's just so many things are happening. Uh, so what I'm going to do is, uh, Stefan, I'm going to let you go ahead and get organized. Do you want to do, do a fresh thing? We're going to cut music in afterwards, so you go ahead. Sure thing. Welcome to the Green Majority, everyone. Uh, this is episode 701. Uh, you know, given the fact that we missed, uh, that I missed the last two shows, we decided to make this show really Stefan heavy. Uh, which is my way of explaining uh, the fact that it's going to be Saren and I for the first segment. Lauren's going to jump in at the middle, and then we will, I believe, still be having an interview uh, with the with the one the head or the, the someone from Water Docs, the director of Water from Water Docs. Uh, I'll get their exact title correctly at the end. Uh, at the end of the section, uh, although because everything is happening right now, uh, Water Docs has been postponed. And so we'll have an interview still about all the amazing programming that they will have, but it will be a little bit, a little bit different. So to get to the actual segment of the first segment of the show, basically to frame out what's happening, uh, the key thing here, everyone, is that Walt Disney World is closed. That seems to be the most important piece of information to be given out to everyone, uh, you know, because if you cannot be with Walt Disney World, uh, what is the rest of everything else? No. Um, so the as, as you know, the whole world is is impacted not only by by, by COVID-19, uh, but also uh, but also by oil prices. And so we're going to go through I'm going to go through it to get a sense of the scope of this. I have a couple sort of numbers uh, to throw at you, which is that. First, the when when the show went on last Friday, when the show began at eleven a.m. last Friday, uh, the Dow Jones, which is a market index of the thirty large thirty large companies in the states, uh, was at twenty five thousand six hundred eighty three. It closed last night at twenty one thousand three uh, three twenty eight, which is a drop of over fifteen percent in in one week. Uh, the S and P five hundred, which covers over five hundred stocks, lost over sixteen percent. Um, the S and P uh, slash TSX, which is the benchmark Canadian index, lost twenty two percent, and so all of these are examples of the basically the markets are in freefall. Uh, which you know, the, the, as 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 many have experienced over the last four, last couple of years, last four or five years, the the markets don't enti- aren't a perfect analogy for everyone's lived experience. Obviously, uh, you know, especially as they're increasing, uh, most of those benefits can go to the to the higher wealthy and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the and the damage uh, and the wealth does not trickle down, despite what some people might have you believe, and so and so it's not a surprise uh, that. Uh, that this sort of that's the sort of correction uh, has happened in, in, in this drop, but at the same time, it, it, this version of it is actually sort of is actually impacting a wider set of people, and I think we'll see a lot of other types of things that go down. The the first, of course, is that international travel uh, was dropping even before uh, Trump decided to ban most flights from Europe into the into the US on Wednesday, and estimates are now that 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 that, that is expected they will lose about like four point three billion dollars, and I believe that number was just actually for. American and just for the airports, not the actual aviation industry, but airports specifically. Uh, I have to check that. And and so the the ripple effects of these different things are are, are happening everywhere. Um, although although you may have heard actually that uh, there was a couple articles written out about this whole concept of of flights uh, that are flying empty still to maintain their their slots, which is one of the things which like it was people posting it out because it was one of the things that was like. 
an example of one of these complete failures of efficiency. You know, like we, people go on about how the, our systems are all about efficiency and that, that you find these examples of like, oh, no, they're literally flying empty planes to maintain this the, this first come, first serve or, or sorry, this, this sort of use it or lose it kind of policy that exists there. And uh, and, and it's sort of an ex- obvious example of like they're wasting money. They're burning fossil fuels. Why are we doing this? And it was just to maintain this sort of these sort of slots that they needed to do. Good news is that I believe both in the U.S. and Europe, they've actually begun to make they've provided temporary alleviation for that. So hopefully there'll be no more ghost planes flying in the air, at least dramatically fewer. Um, and so and so this is the world we live in right now. Like everything is getting canceled, as as we previously mentioned, uh, mostly due to COVID. But but there's also this element of. Uh, also, this element of, um, of of the oil stocks, because and, and I think what's interesting is the oil stocks are are, enti- are very. Uh, I would say that they are, especially here in Canada, which we'll talk about in the second segment. I think with Lauren, they're very conveniently being swept under the rug of COVID. You know, there's a very convenient effort being made right now by by those who really want us to keep heavily investing in fossil fuels here in Canada to to blame all of this on 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 on, on this on this on this illness rather than admitting that. The, the real culprit here for the for the, for a big part of the price drop that was on Monday was actually this was actually this price war that's going on, which is basically that uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia uh, and, well, and OPEC more generally were for a long were, have been a long time trying to negotiate what they would accept as a reasonable price uh, for oil because basically there's an Saudi Arabia could just flood the market with oil and sell it for much cheaper but they're always trying to manage how much money they want to make um, and and how they want to do this and basically they, they, they failed to come to an agreement and on on Monday and it was like it feels like years ago but literally just on Monday the world woke up to a 30% drop in oil prices and a trillion dollars of oil futures value vanished along with it and to put it more bluntly, like, you know, these are major oil producers are agreeing to keep production low, have been agreeing to keep production low uh, to keep prices higher. And then Saudi Arabia announced basically massive discounts to its official selling prices in April uh, and plans to ramp up production, which will keep prices even lower. And this is just very bad news for American and Canadian oil, which cannot eat, break even at the prices that at all. Like I'll, we'll get in a second segment about exactly what, how high the difference is. But it's generally understood that Canadians, can, Canadian, Canada oil sands can only really survive, uh, but not thrive at about fifty dollars a barrel. And that's that's surviving again. That's that's them still existing and still pumping out oil, but they're not you know they're not growing, they're not expanding. And the price at the moment sits at thirty one dollars. Which means that, you know, and, and then as I'll, I'll get to, I'll come back to this in the second segment, but I believe the Alberta budget planned for, planned for oil to be at $58 a barrel for the next year and relies heavily on this. And so that's, it, it, this is a, this is a devastating response uh, to, to, to the, to the Alberta economy and, and to the, to the, to oil extraction in Canada more generally. And I would say. Uh, as we'll see in the second segment, not agreed by everyone, uh, a relatively good argument <laughs> that we should perhaps um, not, uh, you know, invest uh, in this in this industry. Maybe we should find other ways to diversify. Maybe we should find find other things to do. And and that brings me to the other interesting thing about where we stand right now, which is that 
this happened actually. The, the, people have been, been talking about a recession happening this year, and and I think there was by then. But the last like, last estimates had sort of pushed it back. Likely, they were thinking maybe it would happen um, in in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, and and clearly with the combination of these two things, that is where we're headed. I think everyone has accepted accepted that fact, and. Uh, it happens to create a perfect storm for a time to to push for a Green New Deal. Now, unfortunately, we do not have the leadership right now in power to to probably bring this forward. And so the question becomes, how do we move this in this way? But to give it a sense of, of why it's so possible right now, uh, and I will admit that I, I'm venturing a little bit into a level of finance that I don't entirely understand. Uh, however... Uh, what I do know is that real interest rates right now in the United States, so for how much money that the United States government could borrow uh, money for, uh, is negative percentage, which basically means that the government could literally borrow money and pay back less money than they borrowed right now if they wanted to borrow an excessive amount of money for, I don't know, maybe revamping the industry, revamping the infrastructure towards green technology, you know, generalize, improving infrastructure all across America, improving public transit, and, you know, maybe getting everyone healthcare, given that there's a pandemic going on. Uh, all of this is a possibility. All of this could happen right now. And it is the perfect time for it because it would be the cheapest possible time for it. They, they literally could borrow this money and pay it back at the exact same amount. So if you're going to invest a bunch of cash, this is the time to do it. And I think we're on, I, 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 recessions don't happen, don't start overnight. And most people don't actually think that the actual response should happen right away. Uh, you know, when you're in free fall, normally the, 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 the response is to wait to see where you settle out and then have a response. And so I don't expect this to, you know, I don't, this, this, the timeline horizon here isn't just basically tomorrow. But I do think that this ends up being uh, the conversation we have to now have over the next year, two years. Um, and in the conversation about what we are going to need to do to get out of this, right? Look, if what we're talking about, if what we need to get out of the recession that is being caused right now uh, is has to be a, resp- a holistic response. Uh, you know, there's there's a good uh, there's a bunch of uh, good messages going around uh, on Twitter saying that there's nothing like a pandemic to make a socialist out of everyone uh, because everyone suddenly wants everyone else to have healthcare because that's it's so required for community resilience, community health. And and that combined with all of these other supports that suddenly become necessary that you cannot do on an individual basis. Our individual lives are not built at all. Individualism is not built to protect us from this kind of pandemic. This is exactly the kind of thing that collectivism and 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 a government response is so important and so necessary for that it becomes monumentally important. And and really the, the thing that we must 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 strive for. And so, the I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly go to one last thought, and then we're gonna go to music break because we're gonna try Lauren early on, so I can so we can talk, and we'll go to Sarah before we go to music break. Um, but I want to I, I want to think of one last um, piece around around what we're seeing today and around around COVID mostly. The oil stocks I think are our larger conversation that we can have and will be continuing to have about you know the 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 lack of need to invest further in something that's not going to even make money and destroy the planet. But 
I saw a tweet yesterday that was sort of talking about the idea of, of COVID-19 cancellations as solidarity. And I thought that was a, actually a very useful framing. Um, the, the idea that, you know, that we are all collectively agreeing uh, to protect not our, not only ourselves, but mostly other people. You know, the, mostly the, the comments have been that, you know, if you're young and, uh, and of good health, this is not, it will not, it will not, it's not terribly dangerous to you. It still remains more dangerous to you than, than the common flu. But, it, but the, the real concern is this larger systemic and, and, and human uh, scale and, and that the actions you can take now by canceling things and by social distancing and all these types of phrases that you're hearing for the first time probably now all have to do with a solidarity towards our healthcare system, towards the vulnerable, and towards the people who, who need us to help keep them safe. And, I'm, and I'm part of me wants to think about if the next you know, three weeks, four, you know, or duration of this, of this sort of uh, experience will be, I, I kind of think you can frame it out a little bit differently and frame it out as a conversation of like, is this proof that we could be maybe living slower? You know, could we maybe be living more intentionally and, and living smaller? You know, is this proof that we don't need to be run, 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 run ourselves into the ground um, if, if when the system arises and when the expectation arises, suddenly everyone is able to actually pull back. Everyone's actually able to, 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 to move a bit slower, to, to, to focus on the things that are right in front of them rather than always the next four or five things. And I think this will be a hard time for, for people who – who who need and 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 inquire uh, as many people like as social gatherings and especially large social gatherings, you know. So this is the time to buy your favorite artist's CD. <laughs> this is the time to pay for your music. This is the time uh, to to buy uh, in in art uh, from people who might not be able to have that next uh, a, a, the next speaking gig or the next acting job. This is the time to support these sets of people who will desperately need it. Um, you know, every, like there's already conversations about everyone who responds, in, like everyone who's in, involved in the whole industry will need this sort of support, and so that's going to be a conversation that we have to have as well. And you know, c- comes back to that basic question of like, if a green new deal can provide good jobs and and protection for us all, th- then this is the time to push for it. Uh, and so we'll come back with Lauren, but first Saren, then music break, then Lauren. Uh, so Saren, take it away. Yeah, so there was a there was a couple things throughout there that I that I wanted to add to, but I, I anyway time time marches on. So let me just bring up uh, one of them, um, which was uh, I'm going to read just a very short post I actually made on LinkedIn uh, this morning, um, specifically on LinkedIn because there is a specific group of people that need to hear this message. Uh, it's not a message of hope, but it's not one I'm giving because I want you to be more concerned than you are. It's one because I want you, the person who's listening to this show because they've been concerned about climate change and the impacts of knockoff effects and the the things that this can have for a long time, to go out and take this opportunity to connect the dots for people. Because there's a whole bunch of people out there who are like aware of these individual pieces of information, but they're so distracted that we really, you really have to hold their nose and say, this causes that. Do you understand? So with that, clarification as to why I'm, I'm going to be reading this. Uh, I'm just going to read this and then we'll go straight to music break without, without further comment. What people need to recognize about coronavirus is that it's just a taste of what to come with our climate disruptions we're already locked in for. Like with coronavirus, there is a cause and effect delay. You are sick before you know it, and the same with climate disruptions. We can't say coronavirus is caused by climate change for the same reason we can't say steroids cause this or that home run, but no one would claim they should be allowed in baseball. And does it actually matter? 
you haven't read about it in a while, but significant amount of the world's forests are currently still on fire. What would, we, what would we do if a major storm hit right now, like in Quebec or another Alberta wildfire? Would we just keep bailing out the rich and leaving the poor out to dry? Could we do that forever? We can plan for significant changes now to save lives, protect our economy and our future, or these changes will be imposed on us in a way that COVID-19 has only given us a small taste. I promise you won't like what Mother Nature will choose for us if we leave it to her. And again, I say that not to upset you or make you more concerned. Believe me, if you're hearing my voice directly right now, you're almost certainly as concerned as you need to be or too concerned. You need to calm down. You need to remain calm and just think about your own safety. What you can do with this opportunity, though, is take, if you want to use what I wrote, if you like what I wrote, fine. You can find me on LinkedIn, add me, copy the message, read it to someone, or come up with something on your own. But we have to connect the dots. Because if we just bail this out, and we just get through it, and then we go back to what we were doing, we're, it's going to keep punching. It's going to be something else. And we're not going to be able to keep doing this forever. We have to take this opportunity. People got mad, I think, uh, when we even when we talked a little bit about trying to point the connection to uh, climate change during the Alberta, Alberta wildfires. But the simple fact is, it's the only freaking time that the people who aren't paying attention are paying attention. And so I'm sorry, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's people are probably going to be mad at you. But we have to get their attention. This isn't going to stop unless we do something. And that means urgent change, not what we've been offered. With that, I will play Power in the Blood by Buffy St. Marie, and we'll be right back with Lauren in a couple of minutes. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. There's military interest, and there were GMOs in paradise. The Green Majority is entirely listener-supported. Our goal to reach minimum solvency is to raise $300 a month. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com for as little as $1. And welcome back to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, or perhaps one of our wonderful radio syndicates across the country, or maybe on the podcast listening from anywhere, uh, including space, which honestly may be the the place to be right now. Uh, I believe we have Lauren on the line. Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? You know, uh, it's uh, <laughs> this has been a week. This week has this. I've never. I, I don't know if this is true, but this is definitely one of the longest feeling weeks I have ever experienced. When oh, I, absolutely. When I when I when I was doing research for the show and I looked back and uh, and noticed the fact that we were that it was only Monday when the oil stocks crashed. I was like, how was that only Monday? It feels forever <laughs> ago. Just, yeah, just no, a it's, it's, quick comment. Uh, uh, quickly, uh, was that like I, I think my life has been the least affected of anyone in Canada's because I've been, uh, you know, uh, working from home and and uh, just generally uh, already under self quarantine for about a year and a half now. So, but there's there's yeah, it's it there is honestly I, I watch this is actually an unironic statement. I actually truly do believe that uh, there's a, a a fantastic set of resources that the list that's been going around, um, and I, I, I this is if you have something to do over the next 
next three weeks because you find yourself at home a lot. Uh, Genuinely look into many of the things that disability activists are saying right now because there is a significant overlap in the types of information that that they understand and that they will share that go that 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 they're so much further along in a lot of the thinking that that people are having now. Uh, So I think it's it's just genuinely support to go look into that sort of things. It's it's there's so much further along and there really is a level of like you know when you cannot go outside because of your you know other reasons. There's so many other ways you have to find ways to adapt and it's a vast vast world uh that i highly recommend people checking out um but so so to, to but to go back to monday let's go let's just pretend we're on monday rather than friday for now um for a little bit which is uh, on monday um the oil as i mentioned oil stocks uh crashed uh and the and then and and the, so as I mentioned, I mentioned the Alberta budget uh, in the first segment, but I want to give the exact information about it, which is that the Alberta budget that was tabled in February, which again also feels like forever ago, uh, basically had a they put a presumptive benchmark for a barrel of oil that presumed at fifty eight dollars. At the time, it was fifty one dollars. So even that at the time was like we think it's going to go up, um, and. And they increased the percentage of their actual overall budget that relies on royalties from 10 to 15 percent. So not only were they were they basically being like, we think we're going to make more money on the oil sands. Uh, we also think that we're going to make an extra 50. Right? We're gonna make, it's also going to be a bigger part of our actual budget. So we're actually more heavily relying on this. And and that looks very different now, I would say. Um, very, very different in the world that we live in right now. And, and fundamentally, I think brings in the question of, of what, you know, honestly, what we as Canadians have decided we want to do. Um, and so Lauren, I just want to get your general take on that this week, overall things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to confirm for listeners, and and this might be something you covered in the first segment, but, um, so, so yeah, so, so Saudi Arabia has sort of kicked out, kicked off this, this, this price war in the oil market. Um, so, so prices have dropped and stocks have plummeted, not only because of coronavirus, but because of sort of actions taken within the international oil community. Um, and, and within the North American context, that means that uh, West Texas crude um, finished on Monday at 31 U.S. dollars a barrel, and Western Canadian Select closed at 17 U.S. dollars a barrel. Um, which, which is considerably less than than the fifty some odd dollars that that um, that, that the Alberta budget accounted for. Yes, um, so, so significantly. Really, yes, yeah, so, so so that's what oil prices were at, and that was again that was just because of, of actions that Saudi Arabia and Russia had taken. That's not taking into account for the fact that um, now, at least, people are buying less oil because people are driving less because people are self isolating. Um, and just straight up isolating and travel has been halted um, internationally because of because of coronavirus. So, so that's sort of the context we're in for why oil prices are so so exceptionally low right now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been um, it's been a very intense week. Um, so my heart kind of in a lot of ways does go out to um, Alberta because actions that are happening now and, and what we're seeing um, is. Is, is, is not actually because of actions that these individual people have taken. And what we're seeing now is is sort of the, the larger effects of 
things related to climate change. It's not necessarily like a fire or a drought or something that we would necessarily be able to point to and say, oh, that's climate change. But what we're seeing now are the, are the larger sort of socioeconomic and global effects of, 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 of shifting economies as a result of, in general, climate change. And we're going to see a result in pandemics. Not that I'm saying coronavirus is a result of climate change, but, but we are going to see a rise in pandemics and global diseases as a result of climate change. And they're going to have effects like this. They're going to have very real effects on the lives and economies of people. Um, so, so I think for once in my life, yeah, I'm saying I, I feel for the province of Alberta right now because they're they're going to experience a, an, an increasingly tough time um, in the job market as a result of this. Yeah. Um, but, sorry, Karen. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, take it. Uh, no, um, I was going to say. So, so hopefully, what we see here is like I know, like one of the headlines that I sort of read, and and who knows if this is if this is true, but. Um, Alberta Premier Kenny, with a softened tone, shifts emphasis to protection of economy and jobs. And and I really hope that means that means protection of jobs, not in the sort of like knee jerk. We need to keep people working in the oil industry, though I'm sure that is what he what he's referring to. But but sort of protection for the workers and support for them as as they as they go through this difficult time, um, because because we're yeah. I don't know, especially with, with Saudi Arabia making these choices. It's like this is this is no holds barred here. These companies understand that they're going to be under duress and and the oil industry looks like it's, it's, it's in panic mode. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's it, what's interesting is that it, it's still it goes to show you just, you know, how how much the the Canadian and American oil industries were even while saying an alternative to uh, to these other companies, countries, we're still sort of beholden to the whole concept, right? Like the fact that these two other companies could basically be like, look, we're planning on just trying to make as much money as possible because part of this has to be included, part of the conversation has to be the fact that, you know, if you're Saudi Arabia or OPEC um, or Russia, you, you have to understand that if you actually see the writing on the wall for how long you can make money off oil, uh, then, then there's incentive to make as much money as you can now. There's incentive to ramp up production now to ensure that it's your product that's getting sold, rather than c- continually artificially impl- artificially increasing the actual price of the oil, and then waiting for uh, and then allowing for these other industries like th- that require it to be that high to to actually exist and grow. You know, like it's it's this is this is bad news, very bad news for Alberta, obviously, but it's also bad news for for the United States production. The United States production is is similar. It cannot be profitable at $30 uh, a, a barrel either. And so th- it really goes to show, I think, just how brittle that economy was and is. And and so when the response comes, uh, as you mentioned, like uh, like you have to feel for basically everyone who's, who's going to be impacted by, by really like we're entering a global recession for sure. Like that is basically guaranteed. And and the the question of how we respond is, I think, the question that we now that like I think right now we're still in panic mode, as you as, as you mentioned, like I'm certainly still uh, quite anxious about, you know, how long and, and what exactly all these different pieces will be and how much it will impact, you know, not just, you know, the, the world generally. Um, but I also think that it's important to note, important to look into when the dust settles, how we respond and, and how, what the response is. And and you're and you, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said that the if the response from Kenny and I will say that literally there's the, uh, an article I had a, I, 
an article was was shared with me from the CBC that was a sort of about a general set of people's responses to Trudeau's uh, billion dollars that he had put out uh, in response to, to COVID-19. And one of the responses was from the CEO of Business Council of Canada, who decided to use this opportunity to argue that this experience makes infrastructure projects such as Trans Mountain and Coastal Gasoline Pipeline are needed, quote, now more than ever. And I was like, Really? <laughs> That's what your takeaway is? Your takeaway from the oil prices dramatically tanking is that what we need to do is invest more in oil infrastructure? Like how like that 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 li- if that is our response, we are only just asking for this to happen to us again. There's no protection in this in that decision from this happening a second time. It doesn't change what's happening. It's it's that's it. So just really quickly, because you, you, you guys both set me up really, it, this is exactly the time I need to say this. I'm so sorry. But there, there is a really easy solution. We can do it now and it will do everything that's necessary. It's very, very simple. Look, all these people, this entire sections of the economy right now are going to be screwed this year because uh, there's like events done. Anyone who works in events, anyone who works in marketing, it's all these knockoff effects, right? Then if on top of that, we actually take action on climate, there's an entire sector of, as you said, Albertans and other Canadians who deserve just as much uh, right to have a, a, a future they can look forward to as anyone else. That's, that's something I've always stood by. There's only one solution because there's no way to know where all those chips are going to land. And there's only one thing holding us back from rapid change, and that's the excuse of jobs. There's one easy solution. You can implement it tomorrow. A basic living wage for everyone, guaranteed. Not a not not job support, not something you apply for with limited terms and all these stupid things. Just grease the wheels of the economy, incentivize the things you want, and away we go. And if that sounds extreme to someone listening, I challenge you to come up with a less extreme solution that does what's necessary. Like, I think there's... You, you, we, I'm, I'm, the UBI is a is a is a is a fascinating um, conversation, and I, I actually saw an interesting argument for UBI happening on a very short term scale over the next couple of months to actually basically ensure that everyone gets stuff from right now. As Donald, is, I'm not talking about shifting from capitalism to socialism. Right, right, right. I'm talking about uh, to quote Donald Trump until we figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> We're talking about transitioning our economy, not con- not taking this opportunity to try and some start some political revolution. Right. We're saying this is we leave capitalism in place. We don't have time to rethink our entire global economy. There's one thing we can insert into the economy as it stands that will grease the wheels enough to do what we need to do. And that is just to say we're not going to nickel and dime everyone to try and count out what we need. We need to just let our economy do what it's going to do. And the only way to do that is to protect people directly, not make them apply, not make them sign up and prove that they're worthy. Just uh, just respect the fact that every Canadian has a right to exist and to be safe and to be not rich, but okay. And let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, and there's then yeah, like there's there's so much that has to happen, right? There's that, that that's what's I think that's the big thing here is that there's that and I think that sort of leads to the anxiety a little bit is that there's such a question of of what we can uh, of what the of of what is we don't even know what's happened yet, and so it's so hard to even imagine ourselves uh, responding. I think it leads to this sort of everyone sort of feels a little bit frozen in place. Um, but I but I sort of want to to get back to you, Lauren, in regards to. Um, you know the the where we stand in regards to you know the larger picture of uh, of, of of Canada right now and 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 what you know what, what you sort of see the next 
I don't know, a few months going, like not a few months. Let's let, let's let's expand this to you know the next couple of years. Like you know we've got we've got a uh, we've got a government right now that should theoretically be influenceable uh, because of the fact that it's it, that there's no majority there, um, and and and, I, and I'm curious where you sort of see and how, how you sort of imagine the next. Like, what should we be pushing for, I guess? Like, if we're looking for a, you know, for, for the radical kind of change that we've all been calling for on the show for years, what, what do you think their next steps are? Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that's a really, really good question. Um, and, and I guess, like, part of it is actually, in, in some ways, I, I do totally agree with what Sarah said. Maybe maybe ultimately getting us to, to different places, because as, as you both know, <laughs> I'm, I'm staunchly anti-capitalist. But I also feel like now would be a fantastic time to implement a universal basic income. Um, because it means that, like, because as we know, unemployment insurance only takes us so far right now. And I understand the government is trying to implement small ways to help people who maybe work in um, work in, in a gig economy or, or work in an informal economy. But, uh, but a universal basic income would be a way of making sure that people who aren't able to work right now or, or shouldn't have to work right now um, are able to stay at home and are able to take care of themselves. Um, or are able to pivot to, to, to other lines of work. Um, and a universal basic income uh, is, is a really, really fantastic way of providing that cushion for people. Um, if people do want to read more about basic income, um, a really, really fantastic book is called Give People Money uh, by Annie Lowry. Uh, but that's, that's, that's just some extra homework if people want it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also goes to show why, and, and it's something that, that is, is, shows up to me um, in, in sort of the difference I see on Twitter between uh, people I follow in the States who tweet and people I follow in Canada who tweet. And people who I follow in the States are, are I, I honestly think, much more freaked out than we are. Um, and part of that is because of a lack of, of, of universal health care, obviously, um, and, and the degree to which their health care system is privatized. Because in Canada... Um, I'm fairly certain that when, if a vaccine is, is, is developed, it will be by a publicly funded company. It will be by the state. So that means that it will be free and available to everyone. It also means that healthcare is already free and available to everyone. So if you do have to go to the hospital, if you do have to go to the doctor, you're not paying for that out of pocket. And in the States, a lot of people are. So in addition to all of the economic woes that people will be experiencing because of not being able to go to work, because of the event they're hosting or, or, the, or the show they were supposed to play being canceled, they're, they're having to, to increasingly shell money out of pocket. And that's just not a reality for as many Canadians, understanding that there are people who fall through the cracks and, and, and pharmacare isn't a thing here. Well, and really um, importantly, sorry again, but something I had personal experience with, rem- reminding people that, you know, I went through cancer a couple of years ago and I spent three days in an emergency room. And one of the things that I learned in three days in a Canadian healthcare emergency room is that one of the reasons our healthcare system is so clogged up and, and all these and, and all this stuff is that if you go into an emer- emergency room, what you're going to find out is that those people, half of their job is managing things that shouldn't be their job. They're providing frontline support to everyone who lives on the street. They're providing frontline support to people with that need mental health care and all sorts of other social services. So when we cut away from social services, you're, you're just putting that cost somewhere else. Right. That's where that's where it comes down to. Like when you really start to break this stuff down, all these things are connected, which is why I'm saying that UBI is the only solution. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like there's 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 the, the what we're, I think what's interesting about this current experience is that it's definitely, definitely, definitely saying that a especially in the States, like in the States, there's it's it's what's interesting about the, the, the COVID experience in the States, is, as, as you mentioned, Lauren, is a they're much more freaked out. Um, and in part because I think they've real because it's, it's it really is shining a light on 
all of the parts of that of that of the of the system that are that are built to to sort of you know, that are not built for this. You know, they're, they're, the the level of individualism there is is so overwhelming that you know, like like Trump comes on to say uh, like on his I think on Wednesday when he went up on 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 online when he went when he went and said you know the the to cancel the planes from Europe he also said that all treatment would be covered for for covid uh and then and then they cut to, then you quickly cut to a uh, a healthcare ceo or a or insurance ceo and they're like well no testing is going to be covered not treatment <laughs> and it's like okay well that's, that's testing that isn't currently even available well exactly yeah which is a whole other question but like but yeah exactly like it's like okay well that's that's not the most helpful like it's i guess it's something but that's still so much further away from where you need to be. Um, but yeah, but like, but I think uh, to, to sort of to where you're going with that, with Lauren, in regards to this sort of need of like, there has to be this this larger response. And and there's and if there's been a moment for uh, a sort of a larger response, you know, it's 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 it is. I think you know, I would say now again, I, I really do think that there has to be some sort of where everyone's sort of sitting back and and just literally staying home uh, for the next few weeks to sort of see as it as it hammers out a little bit, and then at that point start imagining what. You know what what a what a response looks like that is that is that is holistic. You know, like I think that's what what mm-hmm. what, what is put. It's the band aid solutions have been put to lie by this week. This week has 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 really messed every band aid solution up, um, which is what which is why I sort of tie this really directly to the. You know, there was a Kenny speech from like three or four days ago where he basically was going on about how you know the, the this recession, this global risk. We were already prepared to have this big ramping up in 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 Alberta. We were already smart, and then this big global recession because of this pandemic occurred and now it's going to be hard for us and it's like you were it feels so uh it feels like he's using the fact that COVID-19 exists as a way to again sweep under the rug the fact that he based his entire budget on an industry that everyone said was was collapsing and then had that get pulled out the run under the rug from him and he's using a scapegoat of this of this of this pandemic which is certainly a part of it but it's it's not the whole conversation which is why if we just have a response to this is okay let's go back you know in the same way than 2008 bail out the banks and the and the big the the the, the sort of bigger pl- players here we're not going to get a solution that saves us from another four or five years down the line when the next Explosion happens. We need a much larger, wider response to this thing. Mm-hmm. No, and 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 part of that, uh, coming back to like, there's something that that I've seen uh, sort of peppered throughout the conversation is that yes, because this is an era of disaster, it's 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 an it's an opportunity for us to to restructure and, and refocus where we invest and, and and the things we care about. Um, and part of that is is obviously increasing um, our healthcare investment, and a lot of that is increasing jobs in healthcare and making sure that. That we're training people for these positions because, like I said, we know that that vector-borne diseases are going to become more common as as climate change and temperatures rise, and things are exacerbated that way. So we're going to need a hell of a lot more people working in the care industry because because, like Saren said, it's it's already overtaxed. Um, and and oddly enough, luckily enough, care industry jobs and healthcare jobs are low carbon jobs. So what a fantastic opportunity, and, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to, to sound like an opportunist here and, and right. making light of a very dire situation, but now is a really, really good time for us to be training people for a care and a healthcare economy and for those jobs, which, like I said, are, are thankfully low-carbon jobs. I'm also really, really curious to see if at the end of this, if, if after a few weeks or a few months of people getting used to working from home or, or commuting different ways or traveling by air less, 
if we're left with with a society that's a little more that, that that's slightly less carbon intensive, but just just by nature of, of our patterns and our and our daily sort of the, the ways we we go about our lives, it, it probably won't. But but I'm sort of curious to see if those if after the airline industry kind of kind of recovers from from uh, coronavirus, if we're left with a society that, that maybe is is used to to a staycation a little more than than they are to international travel but but we'll see about that i don't know yeah well, well like certainly what you're going to see i think is the you're, a whole bunch of these sort of discount short flight airlines are going to go out of business for sure um but but i do want to get back to that thought about because that's i, I sort of finished the first segment on that thought and i i'm, I'm curious to have to, to think more about it with you um in regards to this idea that this does strike me as an opportunity to uh, begin to think about what a different world could actually feel like, right? There's so much of our, so much of the of the conversations we have around, uh, around, around these sort of this transformative shift and cultural shift. Um, what's I will say one side of it is is a sh- one big thing that I've said a bunch of times, and one thing that I, I think that we are we will have to figure out is is what community looks like in a time of social distancing. And mm-hmm. because because so much of, of, of the power that exists within social movements comes from organ like we call it comes from organizing people together. You know, like that if with in a world where you are scared to go to those things, how do we respond to that? But but on the on the other side of it, also, what does you know what does living slower look like, right? Like what does commuting at different times look like? What does allowing people more flexible work schedules look like? All of those opportunities, I think, actually really will uh, will play out a bit. You know, like it, it's it's kind of fascinating and and not necessarily like not fascinating, not in a good or bad way, just a, a, a just a straight up interesting way that what we're really seeing right now, the, the, the industries that are sort of directly affected by, by, by this, um, you know, the, the airline industry was sort of first, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing, hearing reports about the, the, the Airbnb is, is having a very similar, as having a very similar dramatic dr- drop off in, in, in usage. And, and, and then, and then of course the oil industry, you know, these are, these are three types of things that, that that a response where you get more housing, a response where uh, we're we're more intentional about our travel. I'll say, you know, if people need to travel. I get it, but I think the idea that you can just hop on a flight and go to London for a day is a is a luxury that I think a hundred years from now will be seen as obscene. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and the fact that you know that that we're in just an oil based economy as well. You know, I think these are all industries where we were going to have to find uh, a way forward. Um, it, it, that that diminish their usage and and to be forced to do that now and, and to force to be live slower. I think you're, I, I think there is a cultural change that we might experience and and to talk about that openly. I think might allow people to more imagine imagine themselves living in it for longer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and something something you sort of tease that, but um, maybe isn't like totally central to the conversation. But but when you talked about like. How do we how do we influence social change when when social distancing is a thing when we when we can't take to the streets or whatever and and I think that's sort of I don't know it it, it shifts us into a really interesting headspace as as people who do engage in in organizing and activism to a degree that um, especially in recent years uh, society like socially we've we've come to understand activism as looking like going to a rally or going to a march or getting into a room with with a couple hundred people and and yelling and those things feel good and I'm and I'm not and I'm not sort of disparaging those forms of activism at all. But what I what what I'm sort of seeing and and 
what I sort I'm going to draw on a specific example of, of a friend recently is that I think what we're what this sort of provides us an opportunity to do is maybe instead of those big, loud, exciting actions, to actually do some of the work of really deep relationship building within the communities that we're already embedded in and sort of acting out the ways in which we actually would like to see change happen. So so I saw a friend post to social media um, about, uh, she, she typed out this little card that says like, hi, if you haven't met me, my name's Tina, I live in your building, blah, 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 blah. Um, and basically it's, it's just sort of this offer that if, if you are experiencing illness, or, or you're not doing too well for various reasons as a result of coronavirus, if you can't go to work, if you're having a hard time that way, please let me know the ways in which I can help. If you need me to help pick up groceries for you or walk your dog or potentially provide childcare under certain circumstances. And I think, and I think ways like that of, of supporting each other and supporting our communities is organizing, that is activism, that is change-making, just not in the way that we've, that we've sort of gotten used to, not in a way that's especially uh, sexy on TV. So I, I think I think we're sort of provided again not to be opportunists, not to make light of, of a dire situation, but, but this sort of provides us a different opportunity and, and a different way of looking at things that's maybe a little bit slower, a little bit closer to home, but no less important and no less capable of totally shifting the tide. Yeah, I, I love that. I think the 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 call to go deep in our community rather than broad is is one that I think it, one honestly that we could that everyone could use to learn um, and 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 act out and so I think that's a a beautiful place to honestly uh, leave it if you have any last thoughts Lauren to you but then we'll go to a music break and we'll come back uh, with water docs but any last thoughts Lauren um no I, I think just that uh, for people who are feeling anxious right now it's okay to feel anxious it's okay to be scared and it's also okay to reach out to your loved ones and to your community for help. And if you're in a position where you can offer that help and that support, now is a fantastic time to do so, um, to, to call on those relationships you've built um, and, and offer yourself as help or to say, hey, what can we do for those immediately around us? Um, again, if, if you're in that position. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, well, so th- thank you so much, Lauren. Um, and, and we'll hear, get you back on real soon. Uh, we'll just go to a music break and we'll come back with Stan Gibson, executive director of Ecologos Environment Organization and founder of Water Docs Film Festival. Uh, coming back right that and to music break for now. Yep, I like that song so much. We're just going to listen to the second half. This is the other half of Buffy, uh, 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 Buffy Saint Marie, and Power in the Blood. There's power in the blood. No, I don't mind dying. I don't mind dying. And welcome back. I believe I am here in studio, or, or not in studio, uh, with a phone call with Stan Gibson. Stan, are you there? Hi, I'm uh, here. Um, great. Uh, so um, obviously, it's a shortened interview. We're going to actually have you uh, have you back uh, when when we're able to uh, when it gets rescheduled. But we still wanted to chat about the the amazing and incredible you know festival that you had uh, you have planned. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, and so, well, pardon. Yeah. <laughs> To be honest, in a way, you know, we're a little bit reeling this morning. Of because, course. Because uh, it was just last night that our board agreed unanim- unanimously that we needed to postpone the, the festival, which was to start in about 11 days. So that's a quite a uh, kind of impact on us, and we're, uh, we're working on that. But as many of your listeners will know, uh, we have a wonderful uh, festival uh, nine years now, each March, five days of the very best 
documentary films worldwide that have, in one way or another, uh, to do with water. And it's um, the five days is kind of a tribal assembly of, uh, of people who care about water, and uh, we have a great time with uh, fantastic films, great discussions, um, conversations with experts, and um, opportunities for uh, several environmental organizations to introduce their work and, and recruit people to get involved in them. So uh, it's postponed for this year, but um, or not for this year, but uh, for this for this March, and uh, we're aiming for uh, late September, to uh, uh, you know, God willing. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, so so perhaps then we can, uh, with your with your permission, pivot this uh, conversation actually to a little bit back in the way because you are the founder of Water Docs. Is that correct? My, my wife and I, uh, well, technically, my, my wife and I are the founders of Ecologos, okay. uh, which is the underlying charitable organization. Uh, I would uh, have to broaden the circle to a number of people to be the founders of the festival. Uh, fair enough. Um, it's been a, a team effort, and, uh, you know, it takes a very large number of people working very hard yeah, to, sure. uh, to, to put on uh, a festival. It's like uh, seven or eight special events in five days. So it's a lot of work. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so so maybe you can just talk about actually the, since we're, we will have you back on when, when it gets rescheduled, perhaps you can talk about sort of the impetus uh, of, of starting it. Why did, why did you and the, the screw people decide that this was an important, important endeavor? We had all been uh, involved in the environmental movement for quite some time. Ecologos itself goes back 20 years, and um, we were thinking that the usual ways of communicating about, uh, you know, the the evolving environmental situation were not working. They were not uh, rousing people into uh, action. Ways, you know, like scaring people with uh, with, with um, bad scenarios or just, uh, you know all kinds of information, none of those was doing the trick. So um, our insight, if I can call it that, was that uh, you have to involve people as whole people, uh, involve their emotions, and, uh, and, and, and so we felt that documentary filmmaking, which you may recall, uh, nine or ten years ago, was really beginning to emerge as uh, as a very popular art form, and that this would be uh, with with really powerful films that we could uh, uh, you know spark people to have uh, uh, to recognize the urgency of our situation and to spark them into uh, taking action to uh, avert it. And and over the over the years, have you have you learned anything that you felt uh, would be useful for you know for people and or and if anyone else is sort of inspired by this concept to to bring forward? Uh, yes, we have learned. Um, I mean, one thing we we learned that we we felt that our our approach is valid, and we learned better and better year by year how to implement that approach. 
the other thing I'd like to cite is that um, we always wanted the festival to issue in, you know, real action. And uh, so we've worked at a number of ways of trying to do that and uh, learned a lot from that process. And uh, we actually have a new way that, w- that we want to introduce, uh, which uh, I hope I can speak at some length at another time about. It's called Cinema Sit-In. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, our, our latest attempt to make that real connection between the power of the films and people moving into uh, meaningful action. And, 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 and do you want to describe sort of what that, uh, what that process looks like? Well, um, Cinema Sit-In at the moment is a vision. Uh, it's, it's a vision of creating something which, as far as I know, never has really been created before, which is a coalition of film festivals hmm. su- supported by environmental organizations. And the vision would be, and it would take uh, you know two or three years to reach this point, but that on the same night in, uh, in, in uh, say, a hundred cinema houses across Canada or perhaps even beyond, there would be a very unique event that would take place. And... Um, its power would be in, uh, you know, the very large number of people that would be involved in a hundred uh, cinema houses, and the event uh, would be out to uh, accomplish two goals. Um, uh, w- uh, one is, uh, you know, to uh, to show uh, a strong support uh, for the public's call you know, for real action on climate change, which has been growing all the time. And secondly, to draw the, uh, the, the audience members into a for real action process lo- locally at the household and community level. And by the way, this is our humble effort to respond to Greta Thunberg's challenge that we all do what she did which was to leverage everything that she could manage in order to actually move the dial on public opinion about um, action for climate change. And she challenged all of us to do, to do that. So we wanted to take that seriously, and we realized, golly, you know, um, film festivals have a lot to leverage, a lot of capacity to uh, influence people. Mm-hmm. Right. So Cinema Sit-In is... Uh, is our uh, approach to to doing that, and uh, and our, our, you know, I want to say that that um, we honor Greta Thunberg, and this is our effort to do what she asked us to do. Well, thank you so much, um, and. Uh, and we'll, we'll have you back to talk about that uh, when you're done. This has been the end of the show. Thank you so much, Stan. We'll get you back when it gets rescheduled. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you all real soon, listeners. See you next Thank week. Thank you.